Hello, welcome. This is Quantum Nurse and I am Grace Asagra, your holistic registered nurse with alternative energy medicine and holistic healthcare practice. And today's guest is no other than Peg Peterson. Welcome Peg and I welcome our audience and our viewers. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Grace. It's so nice to see you. <laughs> yep, nice to see you. Nice to meet you. And it makes our world a little bit closer just because we can see each other and with the help of technology that we make the most of it. Okay? Absolutely. Yes. And, yes. Our, and, and, and we would, our intention is just to be able to have that nice conversation so that the others who will be listening to us can be inspired as well they can have some information that they may want to to try or just to contemplate on it especially for the stress caregivers nowadays more than ever i think yeah. all, all of us are stressed but it's particularly those who are caring for their loved ones who have chronic conditions such as dementia and alzheimer's because i really feel really sorry for them so. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. We can help them however we can. It's good. Yes, yeah. Yes, yes. That would be good. So let me just speak a little bit about Peg. Okay. So here's Peg's bio. So Peg Peterson, you grew up a freckled red-headed surfer girl in Hawaii, yeah. the land of paradise. You love the ocean, playing in waves, the trade winds, and the smell of flowers in the air. See, I feel like I'm already singing the song. <laughs> the, <laughs> the hula songs. Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> you love the diversity of cultures, the different ways of looking at life, and the myriad of delicious foods. Spending time around the ocean was a continual reminder that my, your problems were small in comparison to the vastness of the universe. You thought this was the way of life, a way of life that would continue into eternity for yourself, your children, and their children. As you grew older, you went to college, became an attorney, got married, and had children who had vacation with, and had a vacation in Hawaii. In your early 20s, however, you had learned you have Crohn's disease. So you figured this was something strange about you. A little bit of a nuisance unique to you, but certainly not debilitating. Then over time, however, you also learned that your children both had neurological issues. Mm -hmm. And you, at that point, you still believed this was unique to you and your family. So there was something strange about your immune systems and basically our immune systems. But as you shared your story with others, you learned just how many more people were having similar problems. Mm -hmm. Then this began your journey of awakening. You learned that you are in an epidemic of chronic disease and that our way of life and our environment at the root of it. Mm -hmm. You also learned, however, that there are things you can do to make a difference. Mm 
You exercise the power to vote when you make a purchase, for example, and you can vote against corporations engaged in committing crimes against human humanity for the sake of making money. So you also learned that nature is filled with grace and that this ability to heal is much greater than we had been led to believe. With the right information and right motivation, each of us was able to make a tremendous difference in the quality and enjoyment of our lives and the health of our planet. Your, our purpose and our passion are to help us get there. And so that's already the bio and a food for thought and the underlying philosophy where I attorney, Peg Peterson, is with me. <laughs> yes, it's a, sorry, I have, I have dogs. But it's okay. <laughs> dogs are very healing. I love dogs. I love dogs too, but yeah, they can be noisy also. Yeah, so that's, that's how I ended up here. Um, is realizing how many people were really having these issues with chronic disease and problems with chronic disease management. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> but but before that, you were practicing, uh, did, were you able to practice your law? Or you did? Yes. So, yeah. yeah, for over 20 years, I worked for the Texas State Legislature and in that capacity, I wrote legislation and I wrote memoranda. We were actually, I was the member of the service agency to the members of the legislature. So our state representatives on the state level, the state representatives and senators would call us with their policy ideas. And I was one of the people who would take a policy idea and put it in writing so that it could pass as a bill. So that's what I did for over 20 years. And I was a very busy, parent um, as well as attorney and um, didn't really have much time to notice what was going on in the world in many ways that I later had the time to look at. Um, but we had, uh, we had a death in the family. My ex-husband, who was actually still a very, very close friend of mine, he lived right down the street and still came over for family dinners. And you know we were still really close friends but he uh, ended up with multiple myeloma and uh, we lost him. And then uh, both of my children had their uh, neurological and neuroimmune issues. And um, it became so serious in one case that I decided to retire from law and do some research into how I could help. Um, and it was during that time that I realized how many people were really being impacted by um, kind of the way our world is being organized and run. And, um, you know, that there, were, there are things we can do about it, which was very promising. And the good news is that both of my children are, you know, their health isn't perfect, but it's really good now. And so those habits that we learned to change that um, traditional Western medicine doctors did not have the information to share with us at that time. I think they're beginning to learn now, but <laughs> they didn't have the information to share with us, which was the information that was, we were able to use and avoid any pharmaceuticals um, to get back to a much healthier state. So, yeah. 
And that would be interesting to know also the, the doctor's stories on how, you know, because just like you, if, if you thought that your situation was unique and then having that conversation, you find out, oh, okay, something is off with this situation. And that brought you to the holistic wellness practice, right? And then, yeah. Okay, how, but I could imagine that must be really hard when you were practicing law and raising your kids and then you have this leaky gut. So you want to share your experience with that? Well, so actually I've been a Crohn's patient myself for over 40, I guess going on 50 years now. Um, but I was always told that um, what I ate didn't make any difference with Crohn's disease that if it only mattered if you were celiac. And if you weren't celiac, then for example, gluten didn't matter. Um, and so I just kept eating whatever I wanted to eat. And I was extremely fortunate as opposed to many others with Crohn's disease in that um, I didn't really have a lot of symptoms. Now, having said that, the first time I had surgery, they said the normal surgery, they removed six inches. And in my case, they had to remove two and a half feet. <laughs> so I don't know how I was carrying on with such what turned out to be such a mess. But I was, I was well, you know, I didn't have the, the symptoms like many have. Um, but I hadn't been properly informed as to what would make a difference because we didn't understand then that Gluten and grains were not just a problem with, uh, for celiac patients, but were a problem for many others as well. So I think I had some leaky gut, but then my genetics got passed down to my children. And I think both of my children, part of their neuroimmune and neurological issues was from leaky gut. Um, and so my daughter is actually allergic to wheat um, and I didn't know that. And so all her, you know, wheat's in everything. And so for years I had been feeding her things with wheat and not knowing any better. Um, well, that caused a great deal of inflammation. And so, you know, we just have all this inflammation. She would end up with headaches and um, just all kinds of really awful symptoms. So that made a difference. Um, and I'm sorry, Grace, I kind of went down my own little rabbit hole on that, but. Were you um, just like on your own doing, um, you know, finding ways or learning that, okay, this is not really good for me, even if the doctor says, oh, no, it doesn't matter. It's okay, because you don't have a, you don't have a, you know, celiac disease. So. Right. So I actually just kind of um, ate what made me feel good. There were things I learned to avoid because when I ate them, I ended up just, ugh, you know, just feeling kind of yucky. Um, but I still didn't believe myself. I believed the doctors at the time and I didn't listen to my own self. I should have been listening to my own self a little better. But what really happened is when my children got so sick, then I paid a little better attention. And um, how really, old were they? When so, well, you know, my... My son, from the time he was in kindergarten, he couldn't sit still. He had ADD and AD, you know, ADHD, and he couldn't sit still. And we never connected that there could have been a, an underlying issue of this nature. Um, and so that went on for a while. Now, I, I feel very fortunate because I actually asked him, rather than making the choice myself, um, if he wanted to try meds 
to help him sit still in school if he thought that would be good for him because he was frustrated that he couldn't sit still. Yeah. He was, I don't know, I think he was about nine years old at the time. And he didn't just say no, he said, hell no. And I'm thinking, okay, if my nine-year-old is telling me, hell no, then you're not going to see me force it down his throat. So I said, well, okay, never mind. You just have to learn how to sit still the best you can and use whatever resources are within yourself to see how you can manage that. I didn't know what else to do. So, and then my daughter became very ill. My daughter's the younger one. And she became very ill. And I took her to get some help and we were prescribed a medication that I actually never put her on. So that was, that was good. Instead, I went home and I, I began to research um, some of the issues that she had, some depression and, and some anxiety and all of that fed into it. And I began to research and I found out that um, these were symptoms of leaky gut. And so then I ran into a functional medicine doctor who um, she was advertising her services as specializing in leaky gut syndrome. And um, I took my daughter to her and she did some blood work. And so we got some results back that would explain that, you know, my poor daughter got hit up with a few things. Um, one, she's allergic to wheat. Two, she um, is undermethylated, which people are talking about now. And three, she is what they call HLA-B27, which... Um, I am as well, but what it does is it increases the amount of inflammation in your body. Um, if you are, you, you tend to have more inflammatory conditions and problems. And so when you combined all of these for her, that's when, you know, I was like, okay, this is interesting. This is a tough combination of things. And she had a lot of food allergies and it just seemed like every day she was developing a new food allergy. <laughs> And I was getting afraid of feeding her because I didn't know how she was going to respond, you know, what, with what she ate. Um, but, you know, so at an early age, she actually, I'm embarrassed to say this, but at an early age, she learned how to feed herself because I thought, okay, I'm not going to make her something. I want her to go and, and make her own whatever it is, try it out. And if she can tell right away, oh, that wasn't a good idea, then she can push it aside. But actually what was so shocking to me is when I did that research, um, I took her off of gluten and wheat without even knowing. This was before we went to the functional medicine doctor, actually, um, with, without even knowing. This, you know, we were waiting to see the functional medicine doctor, but we hadn't, we didn't even know uh, that she was allergic to wheat. But I took her off gluten and wheat based on the research I did online with the food allergies. And shockingly, like within three days, she was already feeling amazingly better and was already, her anxiety and depression, everything was just lifted. She just wasn't the same. She was so much happier. And that was three days. So um, pretty amazing to see that, you know, she woke up with more energy. She wasn't feeling just run down and sick all the time. And, and it just took that very easy shift in diet and never had to put her on the pharmaceutical that had been recommended. So, um, yeah. That's so amazing, both stories. And how old was the, the, the girl, that your daughter? She when... was 12 years old at the time. Uh, yeah. And 
So we just changed the, the diet in three days made a big difference. And then um, we put her on an autoimmune paleo diet for a while. We take out all the highly allergic foods. And over time, all those foods she was allergic to, over time, she was able to start eating them again. Um, and she's still allergic to wheat and stays away from wheat. But um, over time, she was able to start eating a lot, most of those foods all, you know, again, and not having any problems with them. So she just really needed to address the gut microbiome. Yeah. That was really perfect that you, you took your time and just uh, follow your intuition. There was a lot of intuition there on you, you know, no, not even pushing or forcing your daughter to eat what you think, even, you know, just let her use her intuition and her, like, hidden power to choose which one oh, yeah that, you know i mean that's really and, and my all the power to my daughter i must say because um i honestly became very afraid <laughs> i didn't want to feed her something that was just going to be you know so bad for her but she really stepped up and at age 12 even and she learned how to cook and she learned how to do a lot of a lot of things to take care of herself, but she's very disciplined. So as soon as I told her, hey, we're gonna try just getting rid of gluten and, and wheat, she got rid of it right away. So um, I'm fortunate that she was so disciplined that she didn't really need me watching over her shoulder. Yeah. Once I explained to her, you know, what I thought would be a good idea, she was all she was all in. And so, how are how are they now? Oh, they're good. You know, like I say, it's not perfect. Like my daughter will always be allergic to wheat. Um, it's not something she really wants in her diet ever. Um, but both of my kids are doing really well. My son ended up, um, you know, he had a hard time in high school with the ADHD. But then he um, somehow when he got 19 years old, 20 years old, he got real serious. He ended up going to Colorado State University and doing very well. And, and he's 27 now. And um, he's a very productive person doing well for himself, living with his girlfriend and enjoying life. And my daughter still lives with me, actually. Um, going to, she's going to college right now. So we're saving a little money with her staying at home for now. Oh, and uh, she's doing well. So yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful. Um, eventually, they find their own way. And then because of that, they they were really decisive not to have that discomfort so that that's why that's another thing if you want something and you know that you don't want to be uncomfortable then you yes. sacrifice other things and, and then when they can feel like a rewarding feeling then they go for it but uh, yeah. everything worked out perfectly and um, sometimes about the adhd sometimes i think that uh the environment also or maybe the subject matter or the way they learn yeah um, that, that's also that can that is also unique to some kids not that not all kids study or absorb everything all at the same time and so yeah. when, when uh then then if we don't uh, influence them so much in terms of like being negative then eventually when they're ready they're ready you know I think that's true I think that's true yeah I don't think it's a good idea to um, impose your preconceptions on them I think like you said it's good to let them find their own way and in hindsight I'm 
I'm especially grateful that I didn't, you know, there was part of me, especially because I felt a little pressure from the educational system with my son to get him on meds, but I didn't listen to that. I just kind of, I said, well, I wonder how he feels about that. Let's let him decide. And some people would say it was crazy to let my nine-year-old decide, but when he reacted so strongly to my question, I just thought, well, that's it. That's it. I'm not going to go against his wishes on this. So um, I feel very fortunate. <laughs> yeah. And how are you managing with this uh, being away, you know, being away from Hawaii? It's like a paradise. Uh, yeah. yeah. That must have been difficult for you to go away. <laughs> there's really a song. I don't exactly remember the title of the song, but it's like, she has, that's how she grew up. Is that, that the way exactly you describe? And yeah. then even when she goes to sleep, she just hears the water or can feel yeah. like she's still in the water. So then she has to grow up and go to work somewhere. And then suddenly said, oh, she, then sometimes also where she is far away, and so in that song that she could still hear the waves going into her room, you know, that's uh -huh. when she sometimes dream and she misses being in Hawaii. So tell us about that uh, feeling of being in nature all the time and then you have to go away and now, you know, what's your, do you, what's your need or how you, do you manage being connected with nature? Yeah, that's so important. It's so critical. And I, Again, I, was, I just happened to be extremely fortunate in the way I was raised. It, it was really because my father moved us to Hawaii. He, um, he wanted to be where there was a good blend of people. And um, as part of that, we used to go surfing and, you know, um, all the time, just out playing in the waves and um, just being outside all the time because the weather was always perfect for being outside all the time. How was your so, father's work? That he moved so he, he was the um, chair of the computer science department at the University of Hawaii for many, many years. Um, in fact, he was still teaching when he, he died at age 85, and he was still teaching because he loved it so much. But um, we, used to, yeah, we used to spend a lot of times, you know, at the ocean. Now, there's, there are things about being in nature that I hadn't even realized were being so healthy for me like the grounding, actually connecting with Mother Earth, connecting your bare feet with Mother Earth um, has this um, effect on your body that it helps your uh, electrical system to get grounded and you know, you're, uh, you're not so filled with these, um, uh, what do you call them? I'm sorry, I'm spacing out for some reason right now, but the free electrons, you know, you're, you're, you're actually grounded. So, um, and then, being out in nature all the time, you're breathing um, all the terpenes and everything that, that is so healthy for your body to, um, and also it's good for your gut. Now, I know I grew up, I had Crohn's disease as I grew up, but a lot of being out in mother nature is just so healthy for your gut because you don't even really need to take um, probiotics, for example. You can actually breathe in these little microorganisms that help your digestive system if you're out in mother nature. Um, and so, you know, that was really, really lovely. And it was also lovely to be, just feel like you're part of the outdoors, the fresh air, the smell of the flowers, um, and realize that your connection to nature is integral to who you are. Um, 
I miss that a lot. And it's funny that you would ask because I have pictures of waves like all over my living room. <laughs> That's what really all these pictures are. Um, something about the waves and just looking out at the ocean and realizing, you know, it's all okay. We're just little, you know, beings here. None of our problems can possibly be that big in comparison to this huge world in which we live. Um, in this huge universe in which we live. And That's so it's also, yeah, it has that blue mind therapy, you know, the calming effect of about being around a big body of water, just very good for your, uh, for your nervous system and for your sense of calm. So, yeah. I still remember when um, my grandmother when, or, or my aunt used to take us early morning to the to to the port, you know. We live in this. It's a city, but next to the beach, my city. It's a small okay, city. Yeah. Next to the beach, and we have a what you call the pier. So the port was there. So because it's the best place where we have the sunshine. So they'll take us yes. early morning, like maybe at six o'clock till seven, just for like an hour or so, and then. Um, my aunt said, "All the people after they after after the beach time, Jim, she'll be going home with me." And then others will say, "Whose child is that? Look at those cheeks because it was so red." <laughs> 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 because of all the you know the sunlight, and you know how important that sunlight is too. You know, Pacific Isle uh, Ocean, just like in Hawaii. So yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And being in the salt water, I remember, was really good for my skin, too. Um, there's all these minerals in the salt water and everything that, you know, I just remember I would, as a kid, you, you know, you're out playing all the time and you get scratches and everything all over your body. But if you went in the ocean, they'd heal double fast, triple fast. <laughs> yeah. Just being around the minerals and everything was so good. Yeah, so, like the scabies. The scabies was common in the Philippines, and yeah, the kids, we, they just take us to the ocean to yeah. wash up. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And it's so healthy. And then the sunlight has the, in the morning sunlight, you know, you get the, um, the photosensors in your eyes that kind of triggers you to your body to start, oh, it's a new day. And then uh, what happens is your gut lining helps restore itself and everything when you get the sunlight, which you don't know. I didn't know that, but it has this tremendously healthful effect to get out in the morning sunlight. So you weren't one of those kids who growing up who are scared to be dark or who are scared as they said, oh, you will have skin cancer if you stay out there too long. <laughs> you know, I grew up before they were really talking about that. You know, we didn't really learn about it. I think people started talking about it when I was in my twenties. And at that point I'd already left Hawaii. So I just really worshiped the sun. Now, there are very, very good health qualities about being in the sun and at various times of day when you get certain wavelengths of light. But I will say I have had to have several little uh, actinic keratoses, these little precancer spots burned off of, you know, areas on my, on my forehead or something just from all that sunlight when I was... Uh, when I was a kid and didn't know any better. So, yeah. 
because you were there the whole day. And um, yeah, I didn't think twice about it. You know, yeah. there was no thought to that. Yeah. There are best times also so that we don't, uh, you, you know, you don't hurt yourself. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, limiting your exposure, like you said, um, it's good to get that sunlight, but it's also good to not overdo it. Um, you know, there's definitely such a thing as going too far with it. They talk about this um, hormesis. Are you, yeah, I'm sure you're familiar with hormesis. And so it's like this, the sunlight is actually a hormetic factor, meaning that um, a certain amount of stress from being exposed to it is very beneficial. Uh, prolonged, on the other hand, has its own inherent dangers. And so sunlight is actually one of those uh, forms of hormetic uh, uh, ways of, of getting your health, you know, and you can overdo it. And, and the same is true of people, athletes, right, who go a little too far with it, and then they end up with too much oxidative stress because they've done too much. Um, a certain amount is healthy, too much is not so good. <laughs> like anything else, right? You know, yeah, exactly. And what works for you. So that, that would be how, that's also how I determine. It's like what you did with your kids, you know, so what works for them. And, and, the, and then when we talk about the circadian rhythm in terms of the being outside on the sun, like for me, I know that I sleep better at night. Yes. Yes. Sunlight. And here, since I'm here in New Jersey and it's going to be fall, winter, and, and then spring comes, if I could start having some sun from spring into summer to early fall, I do good on winter time. I don't feel like I'm depressed. I, I, I've gotten used to the winter. I, that I just look forward to soon it will be spring, but I feel strong. But if, yeah. I, if, I, if I have less time, so I don't know, you know, this, this quarantine time made it less for me. Okay, so let's see what happens. <laughs> yeah, well, and they say, like, like you mentioned, you don't have to get a whole lot. They say that even 20 minutes in the morning, like you used to do as a kid, even 20 minutes of getting out in the sunlight helps your body sink to uh, Mother Nature's circadian rhythm and helps you produce more melatonin in that evening. And so very interesting that that would be true, but um, I think Mother Nature is extremely wise and does all kinds of things that we haven't even figured out. <laughs> so I think that's true. Yeah. Like we think since we're, we're, we're too intellectual so we can explain everything and back again to your son's um, suddenly at certain age, 19, he's, he's focused already on what he's going to do. Sometimes we really think that we know already about life and about health. Like yeah. my experience, like in the dementia center, Peg, um, there were there there and one one very interesting, beautiful story is that there was one, uh, let's see, Chinese, and then one was Polish. They were they became friends, and they talked to each other two different languages, but they seemed to enjoy each other they, they <laughs> whatever they're talking about they look for each other they talk like they know what they're talking so i said you see who knows who says that we know about communication 
So yeah. that's my beautiful example with that. And then, um, and then you also love going to, you know, having that forest bathing, right? Or just being out in the forest. Absolutely. Yeah. You, like I mentioned, you breathe in, you can breathe in some of those little, uh, the, those little microorganisms that help your body stay healthy and just being out there not only calms the nerves, which is so, so important. It helps you remember to breathe sometimes. I too, I think that too, don't you? Just being outdoors helps you remember to breathe yeah. and breathing those deep breaths is so good for you. And then there are all these terpenes and little microorganisms in that environment that help you stay healthy. In fact, it helps you increase the number of natural killer cells that your body produces so that you have fewer uh, cancerous cells or cells that are infected with uh, some kind of um, virus if you spend more time in the forest. So all of these things about connecting with mother nature and, and nature's intelligence, like you say, we think we're so smart, but then we learn things like that what we had called junk DNA is not really junk at all. It's, it's actually serving important purposes. Mother nature knows what those are. Um, we just haven't known, we haven't figured it out, you know, so um, I, I really that, believe, yeah. yeah. The more we, we, get, we get connected with nature, then or we get connected with ourselves as well, then... Oh, I think so. Then it's, then if we go, if we have some stress, then it may yes. be easier, it may be easier. I know we're just generalizing, but it could be easier for us to handle it. So, like, um, have you ever been in a situation, um, uh, Peg, that like a, a, as if you you feel like you're such a failure, or then you're like in a rabbit hole? And uh, how did all of this help you? Well, I think that I definitely know that feeling. You know, there are times when you're like, I don't know what to do. I'm trying my hardest. Nothing seems to work. You know, that kind of feeling you get into, right? And so. I find that going outside and breathing deeply and getting, um, like I say, when you're at the ocean, for example, and you realize, you know what, this is not a big problem. I don't know what made me believe that it was, except my own mind playing tricks on me. And if I can step outside of myself and put myself in mother nature and in her grace and in her mercy, then I realize this is okay. It's all okay. It's going to be fine. And you know what, it always is, it always is. You know, um, our, our most difficult challenges turn out to be our most important blessings because we learn from them. And you know, it's the people, one of the things that I've observed over the last more recent years probably, because I was just too busy before then to really notice it, but the people who have been through some of the toughest, toughest hardships are some of the most beautiful people you would ever want to know because going through those difficulties changes them and makes them something greater, a great version of themselves. You know, um, the, the people who I find myself drawn to as really wanting to know and really wanting to feel close with are people who have been through difficult times and have learned the lessons of that. And um, sometimes it can be very, very difficult to get perspective on that. But I would 
I would think that one of the most important ways you can do it is like you say, get out in the, and connect yourself with mother nature and um, you know, enjoy that. What do you think you can suggest, give an advice for the stress caregivers? For stress caregivers. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've done a, a lot of, a lot of. <laughs> you might say that they don't have time. So. Oh, I understand. That's always, that's always a, a feeling that you don't have time and you're rushing around from the time you get up until the time you go to bed. There are these people to take care of and you don't end up with any time for yourself. I think it's very important to find a way to take a little time for yourself. It doesn't have to be a lot, but I think it's very important to find some support network. And what's interesting to me is just that when I was going through times like that, because we had lost um, my ex-husband, so, and I didn't have any other family in this area. It was just me. Um, and what I found is that more resources are available than you might expect. But you have to breathe deeply, take a moment for yourself, and decide that you're going to look for them. Make a commitment to yourself to look for them. We don't always do that. And the truth is there's more available than we might know about, except we're so busy and our mind is in such this, you know, crazy state that we don't take a moment to breathe and then make a commitment to ourselves to find support for what we're doing, even if it's just a neighbor for half an hour um, for any particular circumstance. I actually got involved in an organization um, called Wonders and Worries here in Austin, where they did some counseling for my daughter when, when uh, her father died. And it was free of charge. You know, and I, I didn't know because at the time we had a lot of financial issues um, due to his health care and everything else. I, I didn't know that we would be able to do that. I didn't realize such a thing existed. But I took some time to figure it out. And Wonders and Worries turned out to be a fabulous resource for all of us. They not only provided the counseling for my daughter, but they had family support meetings and things like that. And we would help each other. So had I not calmed myself down and started looking, for example, that's one of the resources I would never have found. And so. that's, in, uh, that's online right now? Yeah, um, I believe it is. I have not done anything with them for a while, but um, I know they're still active and going. They work with an, a large number of people. So um, yeah, it, it, I'm imagining that they must be doing services online. They have a nice name or, or the organization, Wonders and Worries. Wonders and Worries, yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, they, they uh, really provided a lot of support and some new perspectives, some new ways of looking at things. Like, you know, I just thought when uh, my daughter's father was first diagnosed, um, I just thought, oh, this is the end of the world. You know, this was the end of the world that, that we knew that he was far into his cancer at that point. And, um, and I just thought how terrible this is for all of us, but how terrible it is for my daughter, especially, right? And um, what one of the counselors told me is that 
it's not all bad. You know, she, she gave me the idea that having this kind of tragedy happen even for a child is not all bad. There are other ways of looking at it and that perhaps I could help my daughter by keeping in mind the blessings that are hidden within that kind of tragedy. And she really, really helped me with that. I mean, that, that set me on a much better path um, once she, she took me aside. And, and she knew because she'd been there herself. Okay. So, yeah, yeah. So it's really good to uh, hear that from you and, you know, a reminder to everyone that if we can always look at the other side and the other side tends to be really uh, a brighter side. And, yes. And, yeah. And then they, as I always hear and like to say that always find joy and always look at the beauty, just find beauty in everything. You yeah, because we can find it, we can see it, yeah. and and how is that? Uh, are you are are also just like the kids? Were you all sensitive also to those frequencies? That's you know what's happening now with all the talk and research on the five Gs. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm concerned. I mean. I have um, some opinions that sort of surprise me, to be honest, um, about what's going on. But honestly, I think for me, different people arrive at their conclusions different ways, right? And for me, one of the first things that I learned about, because you know, I went down the, the trail of leaky gut, was uh, glyphosate, which is the active ingredient in Roundup, and the herbicide Roundup and how that causes leaky gut and is in 90% of our crops, it's over, in over 90% of our population. And I just thought, well, how can, they, how can this be happening and how can it be allowed to continue? How can a government that must certainly have enough information to know the damaging effects of this chemical be allowing, it's still sold on our store shelves. Um, and, and so I actually began to kind of wonder, why is this being allowed? You know, is there some, it, it felt to me almost purposeful, you know, because they must have the information. Now we have lawsuits that are telling us that it has caused, caused cancer and specifically non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. But cancer is the tip of the iceberg with what glyphosate does to people because it affects your gut and your gut is 80% of your immune system. Um, and so it, it opens up all kinds of chronic disease conditions to be having leaky gut. And so, well, then I learned from someone else who was aware of the whole situation with glyphosate about 5G and the dangers of 5G. And I've been seeing them pushing to roll it out. And what I heard, I don't know if this is true, but that they took the power away from local governments to say, no, no 5G here. And so it's in the hands of the federal government. So the, they can just go ahead and roll it out regardless of whether any studies have been conducted as to its safetiness or you know, health effects. Um, 
And, and then, you know, and then you begin to kind of put these dots together. There's the glyphosate, there's the 5G, there are these vaccines. And um, I did have a response. I used to get the flu shot every year until um, the last year that I got one, which was now several years ago now, but the last year that I got one, I woke up in the middle of the night and I felt like I had the worst sunburn of my entire life. I was burning from head to toe and it wasn't a fever. It was really like a sunburn. Um, if you've ever had that uh, folic acid, sort of the flush that you get when you have niacin, it felt like that, like to an extreme. I was just burning up and I just, I couldn't relate it back to anything other than that anything different but the vaccine I had taken that day, the flu shot. And that was the last time I said, okay, I, I'm not going to do this anymore. And then part of the blood work that was done for my daughter when she was having her issues, the functional medicine doctor told us she's undermethylated and that if you are undermethylated, you do not detoxify at the cellular level as easily as other people who, who are methylating properly. And so, um, you know, I just thought, well, you know, what would that have done to her had she gone through what I was experiencing, for example? Um, so I just kind of quit with, um, with vaccines um, because of my concern about that. My son also passed out right after he got a vaccine one, one time. He had some kind of crazy reaction right then and there at the store where they gave it. It was at a pharmacy and they had to call EMS to come to him. So, <laughs> yeah, so, I, so that was the point where I said, okay, no, no more of this. Um, not for our family. And I, again, at that time, I was just thinking maybe it's our weird immune systems. But now I'm learning more and more. And if you listen to Robert F. Kennedy Jr. talk about um, how our, our vaccine schedule has become ever so much longer than it used to be when we were kids, you know, and how there are toxins in these vaccines and no studies about how they work synergistically. And so I have this tremendous concern for our children um, and what this is going to mean for this generation. Um, and, you know, you combine the glyphosate then with the 5G, then with the vaccines and, and other things seem to come up. And I'm thinking, why is this just uh, corporate greed or, you know, is this um, our democratic system, you know, and, and, or is, is there more to it? And I don't have an answer to that, but I'm extremely concerned about my children and, and their children. Um, they don't have any children yet, but, you know, I kind of feel a little bit like uh, I've heard, you know, Robert Kennedy speak or, you know, a number of these other people speak about how they're very concerned for the next generations coming up. And I, I'm definitely on board with that. Um, it's, you know, I... I've had a good life. I've had a good full life. I'm 62, you know, whatever happens, happens. Of course, I want to live to ripe old age, but if I don't, hey, I've had a great life, but my children, it really upsets me. Yeah. yeah. Your concern is, you know, not, not just yours. I think all the parents, especially, yeah. you know, having, thinking about really the future of the children, they're valid, very valid concerns. Mm -hmm. uh, for me, I can, we can only also share so much to the children. And yeah. if they take our, 
um, opinions or suggestions, then it's like hallelujah, they listen. Yeah. But then if they don't, um, again, it's their path, is their, their journey. And so for me, I end up just having that intentional meditation and prayer that hope that, you know, parents and all everyone will not wait for that situation when they, they really feeling pain by yeah. watching someone go through that debilitating side effects or uh, that's just the outcome of that vaccine. Uh, and when you, for your son, was that a flu vaccine that he had? It was the, you know, I'm forgetting the name of it. It's the one that's required when you go to college. Um, what is it? It wasn't the flu, but it was, um, it was a college required one. <laughs> Sorry, I can't think of it now. But yeah, it, I, I actually, on that one, I actually sent a friend of mine who's, who's also... It's HPV. Oh, now my daughter was asked, I was asked about giving that to my daughter when she was 12. Wow. When she was so sick. And I said, no, thank you. I don't understand. She's not sexually active. I don't see that happening anytime real soon. Um, she's not healthy. Let's wait before we give her anything. And what, I just got lucky because honestly, at that time, I didn't, I didn't know. You know, I was just beginning to figure things out at that time. And I didn't know any better. But when I look back at that, based on what I know about the HPV vaccine in particular at this point, as sick as she was, and the fact that she's undermethylated, mm -hmm. that may have done, you know, that may have killed her from, from what I understand. And if not killed her, it could have done some other very serious damage to her. So I just plain got lucky that I just thought, no, I don't think she needs this right now. Let's focus on her other problems for the time being, you know, so... I, my heart absolutely goes out to those parents who make these choices to take the advice that they're given um, and it doesn't work out for them. I mean, that's so infuriated. So in all these worries that we have now, um, we, and I had a conversation earlier too with a group that, you know, it, sometimes it's kind of like a, a blessing and a curse when you're a critical thinker. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. The challenge is how to de-stress yourself from all the things that you see, all yep. the things that you hear. So like for you, uh, Peg, what makes you happy? Oh, I love that. And that, that's what I always want people to focus on because this is something else that I learned, by the way, through watching my children and having their health problems is when they were happier in their lives, their health problems were less persistent. Um, and I don't, you know, you can say, well, what is it first, the chicken or the egg? You know what I mean? But very definitely when they were spiritually and emotionally in a good space, their health problems were, you know, almost like magically not as serious. And so it's so, so important to focus. I love that you asked that, Grace. <laughs> so, so important to focus on what makes you happy. For me, it's still, you know, I, I'm not next to the water, which I always thought I would be, but I am right next to, I live right next to access to a green belt. And so I like to go out in the woods and are, I live in an area that has a beautiful community center 
that has um, a, a swimming pool that's beautiful. It has a view of just, it's up high, and it has this view of the whole valley area. So when you're swimming, you just look out and you see all these trees and I love that. That makes me happy. <laughs> I can imagine. I can imagine. I, I, uh, I saw that when I was in Costa Rica, you know, uh -huh. yes. because it's also very mountainous. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, the importance of the beauty of when you really stand or sit on like up on top of a mountain and you see the vastness or you stand in the ocean shore. Yes the vastness of the water is like what am i to worry about like exactly am i it's just like it makes you so humble and absolutely yeah and especially when you have that belief that there is someone something you have a source greater than you and me then it becomes really like not not much to worry about you'll be cared for if the little birds are cared then maybe you you know hopefully the little birds will survive a lot from that 5g and back to that 5g conversation what i do understand is uh, there, yeah there, there are a lot of research and studies and it doesn't matter when people will say oh it's not studies well one thing i realized that alternative health care yeah. did not become mainstream till just recent years and for all those years that those people who've been practicing alternative healthcare are much in better position. So the same thing as in the 5G, so people can ignore it, but you know, it's always good to be on the safe side. But, but what I do really understand is they said that's most important for collection of data and for control of humanity more than anything else because they're, they're really pushing that 5g to be in every place so that right. they, we can just be trapped anywhere right. yeah that, that's very worrisome and they talk about using um, nanotechnology to um you know how they chip our pets so we can find our pets when our pets go missing so essentially with the nanotechnology they could possibly give us a vaccine that includes these basically these little chips and you can't get away. They're in your body. Um, these nanites, they're tiny, tiny little things. And most people don't realize that this is a real technology, you know, um, but it is unfortunately. And what really troubles me as an attorney is, you know, they talk about the, the next uh, generation of telephones where we have the 5G technology all having a camera inside of them, right? And so isn't that kind of just an outright violation of your Fourth Amendment rights to, to not be, you know, not, not have to undergo unreasonable search and seizure um, because you have no privacy at that point. Um, but did you, did you voluntarily waive your rights? No. I, I don't think that just by buying a phone, you're waiving your rights to, privacy. So I don't understand, you know, how they can do this, but I understand that that's what 5G will essentially be able to roll out. Um, and yeah, that's very troublesome. I don't think it's right at all. 
um, not to speak anything of the, the health issues of, it's a non-ionizing radi radiation. It's not an ionizing radiation. So it doesn't have the effect that you would get, for example, to protect you from an X-ray, right? That's an ionizing radiation. Non-ionizing generally takes a lot more time to have serious health effects, but 5G, the wavelength as I understand it, are, are so much greater than anything before that in terms of non-ionizing that it's going to have, we're going to have a lot of people with cancer, for example, with that. In neurological um, conditions. That's yeah, I mean, absolutely. Yes. And it compromises the blood-brain barrier as well. So very, very frightening and, and an intrusion upon our privacy. And I just, I, you know, it, when I see the 5G towers go up, I'm just like, um, and it's going up. It's going up fast. It's very concerning. It's, I've never felt more like I wanted to do something illegal and go tear them down. You know, just, of course I can't. But you know, I just feel so um, violated. I suppose the the good thing is that um, since it is a frequency, so there's we could still do something about it. Again, like for me, believing that there's always a good side in something that might be negative then yeah. but it's it's the people knowing or searching for that that can help them again when you're when you suddenly realize that these things are happening and it's a concern then other solutions come because like i even have a i got an email the other day from the energy master who I follow and listen to instructions. So they gave us re uh, updated instruction and because they said the frequencies keep changing. So the frequencies oh. keep so we have to adapt. That the one that I explained about the LMP, the, the liquid metallic polymer to apply on the meters outside. So they gave us instruction again on how to, oh. because they continue to check it. Check if if the protocol before still works or not yes yes that's why technology and other protocols keep changing uh, there's nothing wrong with the other protocols but except that you have to keep adapting and be it's like being always ready equipped with whatever is happening whatever you need yes oh so, i need to know more about that i'll have to learn from you yeah. Uh, I did meet with someone here in Austin. There is a, um, a man who runs a business called EMF Nights, like K-N-I-G-H-T-S. And he helps people to insulate their bedroom from EMFs so that at least they can get a restful sleep. Yeah, so um, don't, that's, that service and other services, the yeah. public must know that. Because sometimes yeah. they see documentary films, they're good, they show, uh, you know, the what it ha how it has disrupted and affected our our molecular system and health but yeah. then don't really say that there are solutions out there so maybe yeah, that's what we know yes allowed to say because even where i get the lmp they cannot post it in the in the website it has only to be yeah. sold through the practitioner because they yeah. they don't want a lot of uh, conversation from those who don't believe in it, but through the practitioner, they can get that. 
And that yeah. will lead to a question of if there's one thing in your life, what would you like to change? Oh boy, that's so good. Um, that you can change, okay? Because we talk about the other things that she said, okay, we don't have direct control on those things. Yeah, we don't have control on those the things. The one thing that Something, you have control. One thing I can, that I could change, that I can change. Mm -hmm, that you can. Well, I'm, I think that I'm in the process of trying to reach more people with this information, like you. You're doing so, so well, I love that. Um, but I switched from being an attorney now to being a health and life coach. And I do want to spread awareness. Um, and um, like you say, a very, very important part of spreading awareness is spreading solutions. And so that's really where I would love to plug in. And um, my plan is to offer people like a, a tracker or a calendar kind of thing, a calendar tracker system where they can make sure that on a daily basis, they are doing what they can do to take care of themselves and to take care of the environment while they're at it. And so I wanna just approach it in a very practical matter. Um, and the whole approach is going to be centered on what you can do um, in this kind of environment where you otherwise feel powerless, you know, but if we have more solutions, then those solutions, I want to make part of my calendar and tracking system so people know, oh, this is what I should do today. This will help. Um, Are you, know. you putting like an app or something? I was thinking about developing an app. Somebody recommended that to me and I might. I have not done that yet. I don't know much about it, but uh, as I was explaining to them, I, I shared a 12-month calendar that I've developed with them, and I'm working on a, a weekly tracker now, and they said, you know, you should really do an app. Um, so that would be another idea to look at. I like that. I, I think I've seen apps for such a thing to develop d daily habits. So right. to some people that might work, then I know one comment of someone before said, why would I want an app to be telling me, nagging me to do something? I said, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, for some people, that, that's not what they want, right? That is definitely not what they want. Honestly, for me, um, I'm, not, I'm not a big app person. I guess that's why I haven't thought about it yet. You know, I, I would have to develop an app that I think is a little friendlier. On the other hand, I'm very, very good about, I have a, it's kind of a shame because it's not as eco-friendly, I guess, but I have a hard copy tracker that I use. Um, and, you know, it's just a single little book kind of thing, but I, I keep track of, okay, did I, you know, did I do this well today? Did I do that well today? And take a look at what seems to be going on and, and just checking in, thinking about it. You know, it's, a lot of it is just in keeping your mind on, uh, on the ultimate goal there so yeah so where do we see you in five years how do we picture your business in five years oh boy um good question i want to ask you the same <laughs> you're doing so much already i'm going to say i want just to be as famous as wealthy as i can because i can support more do more projects That's yes <laughs> you're you're non-stop you're just non-stop i love um, yeah, I, I really am just hoping to um, 
be very similar, you know, be very involved in helping the community. Um, and, and I'm hoping that the, the calendar and tracking, I want to create like a club where we can support one another in um, maintaining these practices. And uh, I hope that that will carry on after I'm gone, you know, that, that there's an idea of people supporting one another to take power within their own hands. Do you have so. a superpower in you? A superpower. Um, a superpower. I, I know I was asked that question recently and I was like, that's so hard. Um, I think that for me, maybe one of the things I've always been good at is being open-minded. Um, I don't judge and, and people say, everybody judges. And I'm like, well, I'm pretty bad at it then because I really, I don't, I just, I tend to always reserve any judgment about anything because we just don't know unless we've been there gone through it we don't know so um, I think I'm a good person to talk to in that way a lot of people have opened up to me uh, who have a hard time opening to a lot of other people so I, maybe that's my superpower thank you <laughs> any more last a few words because I'm going to uh, uh, at the end I always share a quantum affirmation I and love I, it. I uh, shuffled this in the morning and intentionally think of you and the audience. I said, what quantum affirmation can I share that will inspire us? And it really helps me. That's like one daily habit that I do is yeah. to get my affirmation for the day. So it says, I choose to learn from every new experience. I turn negative experiences into positive ones. New experiences can give me understanding, growth, and new perspective. I welcome new experiences into my life. I just learn from every new experience. I turn negative experiences into positive ones. New experiences can give me understanding, growth, and new perspective. I welcome new experiences into my life. Daily transformations, I choose to learn from every new experience. I turn negative experiences into positive ones. New experiences can give me understanding, growth, and new perspective. I welcome new experiences into my life. So people can say this three times in the morning, at noon, and in the evening. And feel it, feel, feel every word, because that, that helps me. So words are powerful, so you might as well use those uh, affirmations. Uh, I know that sometimes some affirmation doesn't seem to fit you, or you yeah. can then it's okay. Change, change it. Go somewhere. Find somewhere. Something else. Post yeah. this transformation, daily transformation affirmation below the description of this episode and. Um, Peg, do you have any information on where they can find you? Um, yeah, so they can. Um, it's kind of in the process of being reworked, so please, but you can locate me through uh, peg at secretvitalitylife.com. You can go to secretvitalitylife.com, and um, they can reach me there. Okay, and I will make sure I put this information in the description as well. So um, thank you very much, dear audience of ours. Thank you. Yeah. And thank you, Peg, and 
hope this is a in an episode that will inspire you and provide you some aha moments of what you can do add one habit or take a little action and if you need a conversation we'll do you know we'll give you complimentary conversation just reach out to me or to peg and then we'll be there uh, okay so thank you this is quantum nurse and i am grace asagra at graceasagra.com and mabalos that means thank you and in hawaii the, aloha and mahalo and ma mahalo right mahalo yeah okay. mabalos mahalo see it's very yeah, similar <laughs> thank you thank you grace